0: Come on, Church, would you help me to say hi to those who are joining us online? We're so glad that you're here with us today always want to take just a moment to say hello to you, but also cordially invite you to the community of our church because there's so much more than an online experience, right? There's, there's handshakes and hugs and coffee and children growing up together and following God. And so uh, no matter where you are in your journey, maybe even checking us out for the first time today, I want to invite you to come back and uh, just give it a try for a few weeks. And one of the things we know about our church is that God is doing something very special in this season, and we're endeavoring to do something that's fresh and exciting as we say it around here. We want to be a generational church that's young and old, and we want to be an interracial church that has a place for every person, and we want uh, to have a worship environment that rivals the House of Blues. Amen, everybody? We want to create a space where you know that you can give God your best, and so I want to invite you to come back and stay in the environment for a little while and always kind of give you what I call the hassle-free guarantee if you're kind of kicking the tires around here, and that is try it out for a while. And If you find out it's not for you, uh, I always say, give it a year. Go all in for a year. See what God wouldn't do in your life. And then after that year, if you say, hey, it's not for me, I will help you find another church, right? There are other great churches in our city that we believe in. And we kind of describe church like a flavor of ice cream, right? And we just know that we're not vanilla around here. Can I get an amen, everybody, right? We got got a little Ben and Jerry's half-baked happening in the house, right? And if you're not unfamiliar with Ben and Jerry's half-baked, you need to go get some this week. Uh, We just know what kind of church we are, okay? And I want to invite you to, to kind of go on the journey with us. Uh, the last few weeks we've been, uh, been in the study on prayer. We simply titled the series, Teach Us to Pray, and it's been all about culminating to this moment. I wanted to make sure that if I was going to ask you to really pray and seek God, that you really understood what it really meant to pray and seek God. I think we've got all kind of religious ideas about it. And so for four weeks now, we've been just teaching you how to pray and getting out of some of the religious ideas of what prayer should actually look like because it's all about for me getting you to actually doing this. And so for the next few days, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. right here in this room, there's this going to be a live prayer service. You can join us in person or you can join online and you can even watch later. All that's available for you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And then Saturday, we get to sleep in a little bit. Can I get an amen right there? 6 p.m. on Saturday. So all the mornings, 6 a.m., Saturday, 6 p.m. And here's my challenge to you. If we ever needed to get God's attention in our nation, now's the time. You may say, well, there have been harder times in the past. There have been wars and rumors of war. Listen, the day that we are in right now, this is the day that the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. But I'm also not going to sit back and let the world's agenda and the enemy's agenda pervade our nation, it's time for us to step into our God-given calling. And it begins with a spiritual revival on the inside. We want outward things to change, but in order for them to change, it has to start on the inside. And so I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you give God seven days and see what he wouldn't do. And my hope is after seven days, you get hooked like you are on Reese's peanut butter cups, everybody. Like you just got to have one on day eight and you got to pray on day nine and you got to go after God on day 10. Anybody going to be a day 10 in here, right? Day I'm just prophesying this into you, declaring that I believe that this is the season to pursue God. And so I'm inviting you get outside of your comfort zone, pray and fast. Commit something to God and watch how your life has changed. If you've been struggling with anxiety and fear, how about fasting some things that are producing anxiety and fear? I actually had somebody say, well, pastor, pastor, my husband is the person who's creating all the anxiety. You can't fast your husband, all right? <laughs> but you can create some distance for a few days and pray over him, all right? I want to help you in this final installment of our four-part series, To kind of help you to understand what actually gets God's attention. Because there are things that get God's attention in the wrong direction. And there are things that get God's attention in the right direction. Any parents in the room? Come on, wave a hand. I mean, any parents in the room? Any parents? I've got two children. And, and when your children are just kind of starting to grow and they're starting to walk, it's exciting when they can go to the potty on their own and they can walk around. It's like, oh, happy day. You don't need me anymore for that, right? But then they do this thing where they come running by and it's like, daddy, 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 and they start tugging on your clothes. Some of you moms remember like your kids almost undress you in public, right? Because they're always pulling on things and, and and it's like, you know, you want your kids to want you and it's really, really exciting when they say dad, dad, before they say mama. You know, like I uh, shouldn't have said that, but it's true. Like I'm like, yes, I was first. It's first. Or one of our kids. <laughs> and then the other one like, eh. <laughs> you know, there's this, there's excitement for that, but then later it's kind of like, really? I'm trying to, I'm trying to talk to an adult. And there's nothing worse than having your child who you feel like should and does know better, but then still acts like they're two years old and they're seven. And it's like, dad-da-da-da. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so we we started doing this thing very early on. We call it the interrupt rule. Some of you, this is this message is not about parenting, but it's going to help you a lot, right? And so we taught our kids that if you come up to us like that, daddy, daddy, and just pulling, unless it's an emergency, unless it's an emergency, the answer is going likely to be no because of the way you approached me. But we taught our kids if you just walk up and you just put your hand on my hip or on my shoulder, and my kids it's so funny. Some of y'all in the hall look at them so strange. They walk up and they just go, <laughs> and y'all start looking. <laughs> And I usually have to say, excuse me, just for a moment, we've taught our children that this is the way to interrupt us. And I don't make them, listen, when they do it right, I don't make them wait at all. When they do it wrong, I make them wait a long time. When they start doing all the data, I'm like, no, wait, wait, because why? I'm trying to teach them that there's a way to get the favor and the blessing of God. There's a way to get their father's blessing. And a lot of times the way that you approach someone draws their attention in in a good way. And then sometimes we do things that are in the negative. We get their attention in the bad way. I'm one of six kids. There's more than once I did something that got my daddy's attention that I wish I would have never got my daddy's attention, Right. And so today, my goal is to help you to understand that you have a right as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you have a position as a son and a daughter of God to actually draw him into your life and into a relationship with you. And he cares about you and what you're going through. And I want to help you to honor God and how you approach him so that you can have confidence that God will actually answer your prayers. To do this, I want to take you to a New Testament story about a guy who actually wasn't even a Christian yet, but in his approach to God, it got God's attention so much so that he commands an angel to come and answer this guy's prayer. If you're online or in the room, it's going to be on every screen, Acts chapter 10, verse 1, and always remember that if you want the notes in detail, that they're available for you to download at onehopechurch.com. It says in verse 1, it says, Now, now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. I like to think we were friends, right? The, The Italians would hang out together. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, can you imagine an angel showing up? Sure. I'm looking at you and I'm scared. He says, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, would you read it? Every voice in the room, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. What you were doing, you're not even a Jew. You're not even a Christian. You've just noticed that people who do Christian things, this is what they do. And you've been so passionate about it that the Father in heaven said, send me down here to stop you and say, I'm going to answer your prayer. I love this picture he said, because your prayers have ascended to God as a memorial. Our tradition, when someone passes away, is to, to put a stone as a memorial. And we write their name. And they lived here and there. And they did these things. But in their day, whenever God did something great for them, he would tell them to go grab uncut stones and to stack them. When they went from the wilderness into the promised land, he said, I want you, when you cross over every tribe to grab a stone that's been uncut. And I like to think those 12 guys and gals were a little competitive, right? Then let's see who can get the biggest stone. And they carry them over. And the Bible says that they stacked them up so that future generations could be reminded of who God was that they would come back to that Jordan River and say, you remember when we wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and they would look at these stones and say, but God carried us across the Jordan River and he brought us into the promised land. There was a, a memorial to God. This is what the Bible in the New Testament says, instead of carrying stones in the church, aren't y'all glad for the New Testament, right? That your prayers act like stones before God and that the way that you pray and the way that you approach God really gets God's attention. I think this is a beautiful, a beautiful story because it helps me to have confidence to say, wow, if this guy who wasn't even a Christian can get an angel to answer his prayer, how much more sons and daughters who have confidence to come to the throne of grace. I think sometimes for us that we, we have this tendency to forget that, that God has adopted us into his family. I think sometimes we start acting as if we're hirelings in God's kingdom. That, you know, I'll just take the scraps, whatever God gives, you know. Hey God, little old me, I'm over here. I know you're doing miracles for Pastor Josh, but you know, I've been praying. We tend to, See ourselves differently than the way God sees us. Today, I want to stir your faith to see yourself like a son and a daughter. That God is so interested in you, so cares about you, so interested in your prayers, that he just wants you to stack some things up that he has to say, oh, I can't help it, I'm going, hey, I'm going to New Orleans, y'all. Hey, and he's going for the right reasons. Can I get an amen, y'all? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm glad, I'm proud of you. I liken so much of the things that happen in the kingdom of God from natural things. They're pictures of spiritual things. And uh, when we were living in our, uh, when we, we moved back to New Orleans, we're from here, but when we moved back to New Orleans. We were living in a little rental house over in, in Metairie and, and building the church and excited about building the church. But we, we had kind of suffered a, a pretty hard blow because a month after we launched the church our home in Birmingham hadn't sold and we had some renters in it and there was an electrical fire and our home burned down in Birmingham. It was a pretty big deal. It was kind of a blow. It's like we're, we're living in a rental house. Now we're paying for that because we're not getting the rental side and paying. It was a very, kind of just say stretching time where I needed God to answer some prayers. And then needless to say, like having, like our stuff was out, but it was like, it was our first home burned down. It's pretty impactful. So one day, one day we're, we're, we're in the rental house and we're, we're working through that, which just, it's a whole long story, but we're working through that. And next thing you know, my son starts screaming from the back. There's a fire, fire. Y'all know what level of craziness came up inside of me when he said that? Cause I was like, we're just dealing with that thing. Like someone sent me a picture of 60 foot flames coming out the top of my home my kids starts screaming, fire, fire. Well, I run in there and it's a small one, praise God. And I'm just like, I'm like knocking it out. Parents, you know, I'm saying, you just get down. And just knock, we knocked the fire out. And I looked at my kid and I said, I said, Caleb, what happened? How did this happen? He said, dad, I was just playing with my toys and, and something sparked and caught the carpet on fire. And just like you all, I looked at him, I was like, do you want to give this another try? And he just reached in his pocket and he pulled out a lighter. <laughs> so thank you for being honest, son. Toys don't spark that way and carpet doesn't burn that quickly. Now he got a response from me that wasn't the one he wanted, right? But he got my attention And because I grew up around flooring and things, my dad had done that years ago before he became a pastor, I knew that the way to fix the problem is that you had to get this little bitty fine scissors and you had to snip the tip of every burnt strand of carpet. And so like a good father, I made my son kneel down with me (laughs) as we snipped strand upon strand upon strand. Today, as we go into the second part of the message where we talk about some of the negative things we think that get God's attention, I want you to know that even if you've done some of the negative things to get God's attention, that no matter what, God's attention towards his sons and daughters is good. And though it might feel corrective and it might feel challenging and it might be like, hey, you need to stop some of those things in your life. At the end of the day, like a good father, he's going to get down on the rug with you with a pair of scissors, right? And, and he's going to say, hey, let's let's begin to cut some of these things away that are, that are damaging your life. Let's take some of those burnt marks out. Let's take some of those scars away, right? And if we'll open our heart, he'll do that. In the story that we read, though, there are eight descriptions of this man. And the first four of them are all the things that our world thinks gets God's attention. They're all the things that we think, oh, well, that's, that, that, that'll be the reason why God shows up. And I want to modernize the language for you, but to show you that the first four are not the things that get God's attention. And I want to show you the four that really do. Can we do this real quick? Here's the first one. He says that he's from Caesarea. So for taking notes, your place of origin doesn't get God's attention. The way we say it down here in South Louisiana, like what side the bayou you grew up on doesn't make you better to God. Can I get an amen? Now, if that was a poor play. You didn't, you didn't do it, but it's okay. Like I, I tell y'all, I preach better and shorter if you say amen. Amen, everybody. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All of a sudden thought I woke up in a Catholic church, you know, but just kidding. I grew up Catholic, so I can pick just a little bit. Can I? A lot of us think that our place of origin makes a difference to God. It doesn't. You know, like if if I just if I was in the right city, God God would show up for me. If I lived in the right house, God would show up for me. If I if I lived in the right the right part of this this you know New Orleans, right? Some of us think that our particular place makes a difference, and it really doesn't. Some of us have been limited by that mindset. And then some of us are kind of like wearing where we came from as a badge. I met somebody this week and I was talking with him, like, yeah, I'm from Holly Grove. And when he said it, he kind of gave me a little dip. Like, I'm from Holly Grove. And I was like, oh. it's like, you, you love that neighborhood, right? And, but I feel like some of you uptowners, that's how you are. You just don't dip, right? You're just like, your nose goes up just a hair, you know? I shouldn't have said that. I didn't say that in the previous message. I won't say it in the next one. Some of you are so proud of where you're from, but you know, God doesn't really care. He made it all. Amen, everybody. He's like, oh, you're from earth. Got it. (laughs) The second thing that it says about him is, is it, it says something kind of interesting. It just gives us his name, like Cornelius. And so the second thing that we think attracts God's attention is our physical attributes. This is so worldly that we, we act like this. We act like the way you look makes you more attractive to God. Now, the way you look may make you more attractive to a man, but that man is not God or that woman is not God. Amen, everybody? Right? And so like, so like physical, physical things are not going to do it for God. That's why we've kind of let go of like, it's got to look a certain way to come to church. Some Sundays I'm wearing a sport coat. Some days I've gone Johnny Cash. Other days I'm just living, just, just making it. Why? Why? Because this is real life. But we still have in our mindset that the only way God is going to meet me is if I go old school suit and tie. Can I just tell you, I got to be real practical in this church. Like the reason I don't wear a suit and tie, I actually think suit and tie, suit jackets look so good on me. They look real good on camera. But I sweat more than T.D. Jakes does. And we're in a gymnatorium. And so I just embrace that. Y'all hear me? you got to get out of this because when we were growing up, I, I, as I mentioned, one of six kids, I got three boys and three girls. And when we were coming up, the, the whole world had glorified a size zero woman. I don't know if you remember this. We've kind of relaxed about this, but it was like, it was all the crave. You had, you had to like, you're trying to become a size zero. And listen, if you are naturally a size zero, God bless you, be the person that God created you. There's a percentage that are. But my family, can you look at me? None of us were that size. And I used to tell my sister, I said, where in your world is zero good? Look at your bank account. Anybody want a zero there? No. I don't want to look at my plate and see zero. Come on, somebody. Got, no one wants to marry Well, I shouldn't say it that way, but y'all follow me, right? We've, we've elevated some ideas of things that really aren't God." We've even said that, we've done studies and we say the most trustworthy people, when you meet them on the street, they wear a blue suit, a white shirt, and a red tie. Every president that I can remember in history, in my life, when they give an inaugural inaugural speech, right, they're wearing that blue suit, that white shirt, and that red tie. But the problem is we begin to discover how many lies they told us to get there and how many lies they're going to tell us after. No one laughed at that. You're all just like, it's true. The tie the tie didn't do it. The suit didn't do it. Here's the third. Can I keep on going? I'll stop meddling, all right? Positions and titles. He said, I, I am a, I am the, the centurion, which was a title in their culture to, to, so that people would know that he had a position of power, that he was someone to be respected. He was He was in the Roman army. And if you're unaware, when Jesus came, the Jewish people had been they had been held captive by the Romans. They were not free. When Jesus came into the world, he was living at a level of slavery. Think about that. And yet he flourished in the midst of that culture and changed the world. Kind of a crazy idea. I think sometimes we think, man, if I could just climb to that level. If I could get that position, finally God would answer that prayer. If, if I just got that job, then God would give me that spouse. If I just got that amount of money, then so and so. No, no, no. Positions and titles do not attract God. They don't. I used to think this even when I was in ministry college. I'm like, one day when I become the, the lead pastor, one day when I, when I there's going to be this special halo that God's going to give me. It doesn't work that way. Positions and titles they don't draw God's attention. Here's the last, and this has become a big deal. It said that he led a cohort. And I like that it was an Italian cohort. That just sounds fun to me. But the fourth thing we think, we think gets God's attention is popularity. And we're even doing this nowadays. We stopped asking people for their phone numbers nowadays. Now we're like, hey, what's your, what's your social media handle? What's your Instagram? Like, we, we're not even trying, like, I'm not, I'm not really going to talk to you. I'm just want to, I want to see if you're important. And then I'll talk to you. We're like, well my, one of my buddies says, we're like, blue check hungry. We want we all want to blue check next to our name so we can say that we finally arrived. Can I just tell you guys that my, my desire in life is to be very not known in social media. I know we got to do it because that's where the, where the world is. Like, hear me, hear me, let me say it. Like, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have a Twitter, kinda. We fish there because that's where lost people are. But if you want to know where, where I really stand, don't go to Instagram. You want to know what I care about, come talk to me. Have a real conversation. Come to church. I say a lot right here. Some people say, where do, you, where do you stand? And they like to throw out the litmus test and say, well, come to church and I'll tell you. What I'm trying to say to you is that we've got this mindset in our culture that the more popular you are, the more favor of God you have on your lives. And I know some people that will never be known will never have a social media, Instagram, whatever you want to call it. They'll never claim to the world's idea of fame. But they are changing the world day in and day out. How they live and how they engage and how they love, how they pray. Some of the most impactful people in my life, you'll never know them. Because they just walked with me in times when I needed it. What I'm trying to say to you at the beginning part of this message really is that we have a mindset that we think if we do these things, that's going to get God's attention and it doesn't. All of those things are things on the external. They're not things that are on the internal. And as I said to you during worship, you might want to write it down. Half-hearted faith won't get a wholehearted response from God. And so if you're focused on external things and how to do those things, and that's going to get God in mind, I want you to know, no, no, God is looking beyond the external things and he looks at your heart. Can I testify to you today that every day of my life, I try to do the best I can with what I have. But there are some days when I have really messed it up. Anybody really messed it up recently? Come on, come show me. The, uh, thank you. Three, four, seven, eight. Oh, y'all are getting better. Okay, like that. I was like this. I got to the middle. I'm like, man, y'all are holy. I don't know how all the sinners went out this way, right? I really, I really messed it up recently. I've had a few moments where, where, where they weren't 10 commandment bad, so don't get me wrong, but I, I they were like, I just, I really, I, I lost my grace for a situation and I realized that all of my mindset were the things that were on the outside and God was really focused on what was happening on the inside of my heart and life. And I've actually some days had a right heart and done the wrong thing and God's blessed me. And then there's been some times that I've done the right thing, but I had the wrong heart. And God said, nope, not doing that. Why? Because God is more interested in here then he's interested in our comfort. So what What actually gets God's attention? I got four more for you. Can you go with me? All right, I'm going to give you the actual verse and they're going to go real quick because before I know it, the piano man's going to be here and it's going to be time to close this thing up, all right? Acts chapter 10 and two, it says that Cornelius was a, say it with me, he was a devout man. We don't really use that word a lot in our culture today, but a devout person was someone that was really devoted to God. And so when you got around them, you couldn't help but notice that their attention weren't, wasn't on things around them, that their attention was on God. So much so that if you went back historically and studied some of the monk orders, some of the monks would shave the top of their heads bald right in the middle because they wanted to make sure that there was nothing between them and God. Can you imagine that? Now, some of us are kind of doing that involuntarily these days. But the reality is, is that they were so devout because they, they, were, they were focusing. Number one, write it down. They were focusing upward. Prayer that gets God's attention isn't focusing all of your energy on your problem. Prayer that gets God's attention is focusing on who God is and who God and what God wants to do in this situation. I think for too many of us, we're spending our lives just kind of like, we're over here like doodling in the mud and wondering if God can clean up the mud. And he's just saying, hey, if you would just come to me like a child, you'd run to me. I would answer that prayer. The psalmist says it in Psalm 121. He says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Where are your eyes in your life right now? You want to get God's attention? Start looking at God. Matter of fact, this is how the best way to get a date, right? Can I just help some people out real quick? you're working on the pickup line. You said, yeah, I'm with you. Sorry. Hey, nobody else is here. You just look at them. You just look at them. And you just don't stop looking. Eventually, they're going to run from you or run to you. I think sometimes we're so focused on what's down here that God's like, Hey, head up. Hey, head up. You ever heard that in sports? Get your head up. Come on, play. Baseball, get your head up. Football, get your head up. Look for the path. Everything's about look where are you looking? Because that's where your help comes from. And it just seems like we've got so many things distracting us when prayer is where the help comes from. And if your eyes are on all those other things, you're, you're gonna fall into those things because they teach you this in motorcycle riding that where your eyes go, that's where the motorcycle goes. And so if you start looking at the ground, get ready for a crash. If you start looking ahead, that's where you're going. One of my mentors, mentor, Pastor Roy Stockstill talks about his position with God and cameramen, follow me real, real quick. He says that, that a man on his knees can't fall far from that position. And Pastor Roy was talking about having a mindset that gets you lower and lifts God higher because no matter what, when you kneel down, it forces you to begin to look up in your situation. And today I want you to know that there's there's hardly a day that goes by that I don't find myself intentionally lowering myself and lifting my eyes to God. You wanna get God's attention? Stop looking at all this, start looking at God. Second thing, Acts chapter 10 and verse 2, it says that, that Cornelius was one that feared God with all his household. He feared God like he wasn't even a Christian, but there was this internal fear of God. Number two, prayer that gets God's attention searches inward. So you look to God, but you invite God to begin to look at your heart and life. Too many of us are trying to look at the outward things. We're trying to, what I say, pick the fruit off of the tree in everyone's life. Instead of looking at what the root of the tree is actually uh, rooted in and what is drinking and eating, right? Because ultimately your life is going to produce what you're planted in. So the psalmist prayed this, Psalm 139 and 23, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Think about this prayer. And can I encourage some of you maybe to even write it down over this week and begin to pray this every single day. Prayer that gets God's attention says, Hey God, what about my heart? Because instead of focusing on the outward thing, why don't you initially invite him to the inward area of your life? There's a moment, um, some years back, Amber and I, my wife, we've been married 19 years. Next April will be 20 years. Can you believe that? It's pretty exciting. Yeah. 20, 20, years and I still like her. I told her this week, I got the hots for her right now, big time. I just, I really, I really do. I don't, I don't know. She's, she's uh, going to turn 40 in a few months. And I just, I'm just, I got the hots right now. Like it's, uh, she's like, stop. I just do. I'm like, I can embarrass her a little bit, but at least once a year, we have like a terrible fight. Anybody have those? Anybody? Can I be honest? At least once a year. And once I was just, you know, when, when you have a fight and you deal with it, and you get over it; that's good. If it lingers for a long time, you need to get help. Can I just say that? It's a fight. You start; you're still angry three days later, seven days later, ten days later. You need to get help. You need to get in a small group. You need to invite a counselor. So, I, I had a friend who was a counselor, marriage counselor, and I went and sat down with her. I said, "She's my friend. She's going to tell me what I want to hear." You know, that that's I'm... And so I went there, and I was going through this. I'm like, "I'm fussing," at, you know, we're fussing about this, about that, and, and she's this, and she's that, and, and I can't believe she said that. And, and I said, "I mean, it, it, is is it me? I mean, am I just being a jerk?" And you know, I had a good counsel when she looked at me and she said, yeah, you're the jerk. (laughs) And that day I I left searching inward. Y'all hear me today? Trying to just get you to think about this differently because so much of us are just like, God, if you just do that, I'd be all right. And God's like, if I did that, you wouldn't be all right. Y'all hear me today? He's more interested in your heart than just the outcome that we want. Can I keep on going? i got two more and we're going to close. Acts 10 and 2 goes on. He says, he gave many alms to the Jewish people. There was something about Cornelius that he recognized that generosity actually attracts God's attention. And so prayer that gets God's attention, number three, looks outward. It begins to pray for other people and think about other things that are going on. And and listen, one of the things that I've learned very early on is that, that you reap what you sow. And so rather than praying for what I need, I find somebody else who has what I need or is looking for what I need, and I pray for that for them. I begin to say, God, you see this couple, they need financial blessing. God knows I need it, but I start praying for them. Why? Because I don't want all the attention to be about me. God knows what you have need of. In the Old Testament of your Bible, Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, his wife was barren. He couldn't have any children. And God had told him he was gonna be the father of many nations. Can you imagine the pressure that put on him to make it happen, right? Like the pressure it put on him to like, oh, I've got, we've got to get this thing started, but it wasn't happening. And then he meets this king named Abimelech and Abimelech, all of his wives were barren as well. And the Bible says that, that Abraham prayed for Abimelech And Abimelech's wives began to have children and then Sarah got pregnant in the next chapter. It never tells us a single time that Abraham prayed and said, God, would you heal my wife? But he looked outward and he prayed for others because there's something powerful about putting some other people's name on your prayer list. James chapter five and 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When you pray as a follower of Jesus Christ, it changes things. And when you pray for someone else, that's where healing begins. Some of you guys, you think we call the prayer team down front, uh, you know, like that's just like, they're just there to look at you. Like, hey, prayer team, come on down front. And they just smiling at you, you know, all just like They're You know what? The prayer team are people who've got this message figured out. The prayer team are people who said, that's my gift. I've got a gift of intercessory. And if you want to get God's attention, come ask for someone else to be involved and let them lay hands on you. Some of you have never done that before. Laying hands is just putting a hand on a shoulder, right? Just grabbing your hand, praying for you. It's a sign that you're joining in faith and unity. See, prayer that changes everything. It focuses upward on God, searches inward, It looks outward for what God wants to do. And number four, says that he prayed. He prayed continually. Number four, prayer that changes everything pushes forward. I just got to tell you, just for a moment, can I just, can I just preach just for a moment? It's time for you to stop taking what the devil has given you. To stop living the way that you were brought up and to embrace that you have the power in Jesus' name to change your life. Romans chapter 4 and 17 says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Remember this guy, Abraham, we just talked about him in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Abraham began at some point, don't know when, it's the only verse he begins to say, no, no, it hasn't happened yet. But God, you said, God, you will. God, my marriage has been on the rocks for a long time, but it's gonna, it's gonna look like you want it to look god it's going to change god i've been praying for this job i'm going to call things that are not yet into existence why because you have power to declare what god says over your life proverbs 18 and 20 says with the fruit of a man's mouth his stomach will be satisfied he will be satisfied with the product of his lips Death and life are in the power, say it with me, are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That verse is saying, if you don't like what your life is producing and the fruit that you're eating, it's time for you to begin to pray in faith and join your words with the words of God. In and of ourselves, you and I have no power in our words, but when our words are connected with God's words, all of a sudden there's supernatural power. Somebody here, you're praying for a child who's far from God. I want you to keep on praying. Because praying continually, praying in a devout way, gets God's attention. And the Bible says that when he saved you, he would save you and his household. That's a, your entire house. That's a scripture, by the way, right? Matthew 7 and 8 says, for everyone who asks, what do they do? They, they receive. And everyone who seeks, say with me, fine. And, and, and to everyone who knocks on the door, the door will be open, right? And the, the problem is that we've allowed the world to dictate what's coming out of our mouths. And it's time, it's time to pray like you've never prayed before. Didn't put it in the notes. Jesus one time said, you have not because you ask not. Let me ask you something. You want to be in a have not, ask not situation, right? I don't want to live there any longer. It's our last verse, Ephesians 3 and 20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. How much can you ask for and how much can you imagine? Listen, I don't know why God takes longer sometimes. I've been praying for a building since the first time we had a service in this room. And I'm still fighting in prayer. I haven't stopped. And when we move in there, I'm going to have a moment. Y'all Y'all are just going to have to sit there and watch it for a little bit. It's going to be eight years of pressing against this world and saying, I'm going to cross the Jordan River. And we move in that building. That's going to be a, a memorial in this city, right? A church that was planted in the 40s and destroyed by Katrina will once again have church services in the room. To God be the glory. Amen, everybody. To God be the glory. How much can you ask and how much can you imagine? We don't serve a small God. I'm challenging you to pray like you've never prayed before. Would you bow with me? I invite the worship team to come join me just a moment earlier. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you just focus your attention on Jesus? The greatest miracle that could ever be given to you is the miracle of salvation. And the Bible says that miracle is offered to you in a prayer of faith. So everything that God wants to give you begins with prayer. If today you're far from God for any reason, I won't embarrass you. I I won't ask you to stand or come to the front, but with every head bowed and every eye closed, today, if you wanna get close to God, his promises if you invite him, he'll come. He'll live and move in your life. If that's you, would you whisper this prayer? Just say these words right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.